The Rainbow Skyline Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Do you want to see Nikola Jokic's latest display of passing wizardry up close and not on TV? With GameTime, you can click on any seat in the app and get a panoramic view of the court, kind of like how the Joker sees the court. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. And welcome to a fresh out of the oven edition of the Rainbow Skyline podcast, a podcast about the Denver Nuggets from The Athletic. I'm Nick Kosmider, your Nuggets beat writer for The Athletic, joined by my colleague, Kendra Andrews. And shout out to producer Rob Lopez at the controls, making audio magic for us as always. This is our weekly free podcast you can find on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribers to The Athletic may also be listening to this podcast ad free inside The Athletic app. And those subscribers also get our second bonus episode each week, again, ad-free inside the app. And these bonus episodes are great because we pull on our network of writers from across the country and talk about whatever game it is that the Nuggets just played. So you get a lot of great insight from both sides. If you're not a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash rainbow skyline for 40% off an annual subscription to get you access to all of our podcasts, local and national, and writing from an all-star team of writers across all major pro sports. Okay, Kendra, let's get into it. The last time that we met for this podcast last Wednesday, the Nuggets were coming off a 125-121 loss to the Hawks in which Trey Young just went bonkers. Since then, it's been pretty good for the Nuggets. They had a comeback win over Brooklyn in which they held the Nets to 32 second half points. They routed the Grizzlies in Memphis on Sunday behind 39 points from Jamal Murray, the most Nugget has scored this year. Um, so so the Nuggets are riding good, 9-3, and three, right in the thick of things in the West, and now have a huge week ahead, host the Rockets, the Celtics, the Suns. Uh, Kendra, what were your biggest takeaways from this last week? One of my biggest takeaways, especially from that Memphis game, was just, you know, Nick, we've been talking about how the Nuggets have really struggled to find an offensive rhythm. And during that Memphis game, we finally saw them look like the offensive team that people expected them to be heading into the season. They were just shoot firing on all cylinders, especially in that second quarter. I think the Nuggets outscored uh, the Grizzlies, what, 44 to 17 or something just absolutely ridiculous like that. So that was one big takeaway that their offense seems to finally be getting its groove back. And then also you saw this lineup first, um, against the nets. We haven't seen a lot of Juancho Hernan Gomez and he made his appearance. I think the second lineup was what Juancho, it was Mason, Jeremy and Monte, I think. And I mean, the the second unit finally started to find a rhythm as well. So those were two really big things that I saw that we haven't really seen yet. Juancho Hernan Gomez was like Tom Hanks and Castaway for the first two, three weeks (laughs) of the season. Like you could have been, you you could have been forgiven if you forgot that he was on the team and, and suddenly since that loss to the Hawks, 
Michael Malone inserted him into the lineup, gave them huge energy against Brooklyn. He had eight rebounds, only two points, but he completely swung the momentum of that game. And then he comes out and scores 15 points against the Grizzlies, uh, was a huge part of that second unit that really, as you mentioned, rallied them. Jamal Murray was fantastic. And again, he only had four points against Brooklyn. It was the first time this year where he he kind of had that really severe dip. He was 111 from the floor. And so you said to yourself, how is this guy going to bounce back uh, after his first, again, really subpar game of the year? Going into the Brooklyn game, he had scored at least 14 points in every single game this year, but had a real stinker. So you say, how's this guy going to bounce back? Uh, he did it pretty well, 39 <laughs> points in three quarters. Uh, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, I'm sure, as we roll into uh, the questions in this mailbag edition of our podcast, we're going to save uh, the stock report for for next week because we want to we want to debut our first mailbag edition. We asked for your questions, um, and Kendra, I understand uh, I understand we got some, right? Yes, we do. I have a whole bunch that we're going to get through some right now. Uh, the first question, Nick, is from WC underscore buckets, and their question is: How many times did Jamal Murray score thirty plus points last season, and will he eclipse that this year? WC underscore buckets. Great Twitter handle. Um, no, it's a good question. So Jamal Murray last season during the regular season scored at least 30.7 times. Uh, that included two 40 point games, which of course was highlighted by the 48 point game against Boston in which he, uh, took a shot at the buzzer when the nuggets already had the game in hand, much to the ire of Kyrie Irving. Um, so he, he's, he liked to say last year, uh, Jamal Murray did that 50 points was sort of haunting him cause he couldn't quite get that, get that mark. Uh, he added two more 30 point games in the playoffs against Portland two 34 point outings in that Western conference semifinal series. So altogether nine, will he eclipse that mark this season? I, I was really kind of thinking about this and, and, pondering it. And it's a really, it's a really good question because I think overall Jamal Murray has already shown that he's going to be more consistent. He's going to have less of the vacillation. Of course, we, I say less of the vacillation and he just had a four point game followed by a 39 point game, but I think you're going to see less of the up and down from him in the first, uh, 10 games of him showing that he's always going to give you at least 15 points. He's going to play kind of the playmaking. He's going to add defense. I think he's going to be a lot more consistent and less prone to maybe some of these explosions followed by a major dip game. So I'm going to say that he's going to have less than seven 30 point games. But on the flip of that, I think he'll actually have a higher scoring average uh, than the 18.2 points he scored last year. I think he'll be right up around 20 points a game because he's just going to have that consistency. He's going to give you between 18 and 24 points almost every single night. So I'm going to go under, but I think it's going to be close. What about you, Kendra? Yeah, you know, you said the key word with Jamal Murray, which is consistency, and that was such a hot topic, you know, going from preseason to in-season to whenever, whatever. It's always just been about consistency, and he's talked a lot about wanting to find that consistency. So I do agree with you that he is less concerned with going off for 30-plus points more than he did last season, more than seven times. So I, I agree that I don't think it is going to be as much as seven times. I think it'll be less. I will point out though, that I was asked uh, by another media member earlier in the season, he was taking a poll of who we thought was going to go off on just a crazy game. And I said that Jamal Murray was going to break his career high against the Celtics, which is happening on Friday. So I just want to put that out in the universe. That's what I predicted. Don't know if it's going to happen, but 
You're trying to we sell tickets. <laughs> You're trying to sell tickets for the Nuggets. That is going to be great. Like Friday night, again, last year when Boston came to the Pep. Center. That's when he went off for 48 exactly. points. Exactly. Um, yeah, you're right. That's going to be really exciting Friday because last time when the Celtics came to Pepsi Center last year, Jamal Murray went off for his career high, as you mentioned, 48 points, tried to shoot a shot at the buzzer when the Nuggets mm-hmm. had the game in hand and Kyrie Irving ends up throwing the ball into the stands uh, was was pretty testy. But again, Jamal Murray has that sort of like explosion ability. He is a guy. If there's one guy on this team who can just go off on a heat check, it's Jamal Murray. And, and do I so do I think he's going to have some games like that? Yes. Do I think he could potentially have a 50 point game this year? No doubt. But but I think if he's a guy who averages 25 points, which, again, I've said that's that's kind of the, the range he should try to get to. It's going to be because he's he's given you, you know, he's given you 18 to 26 points a night like that. That's what he's got to do. That's what he's got to yeah. bring. And I think he's on a closer track to doing that. And I think that that's something that the team would rather him do. I think they would rather see a 25 point per night Jamal Murray than the, like you just said, four points one night, 30 something the next night, 10 the next, you know, they, they want to have that. They'd rather have that consistent Jamal Murray. Yeah, no doubt. Kendra, what else do we got? So the next question we have is from Jacob S. And he asks, what happened to Malik Beasley? Dude was setting himself up for a huge contract and now he's back on the bench. Yeah, it's a great question. So Malik Beasley, again, going into this season was probably the highest stock guy in terms of where he is at compared to where he started for the Nuggets. Again, his first two years on the team after being a first round pick of Denver in 2016, he barely played, was in mostly the G League his rookie year. Second year, a little bit more playing time, but but again, never really quite cracked the rotation. And then last year, because of injuries, he got inserted into a big role and he shined. I mean, he was excellent. And so you go into this year and and you think he's going to be huge. Now he's averaging only six points a game after averaging about 12 all of last year. Um, Just really hasn't been able to find a rhythm still shooting well from three point range, 40%, but that's about all that he's doing really struggling at the rim, um, struggling to, to make plays, struggling with his handle. And he got sick in the second half of the Minnesota game on November 10th. Didn't play in the second half then missed the Atlanta game due to illness. He was available to play against Brooklyn last week, but Michael Malone decided not to insert him. And then he did not play in Memphis until garbage time. The game was already decided when he ultimately got put in. Malone opted to play Michael Porter Jr. at the backup shooting guard minutes as opposed to Malik Beasley. So it's certainly been an interesting development for a guy who we thought was going to be major. Um, again, did not come to an agreement on a new contract with the Nuggets before the early extension deadline back in October. So he'll enter July as a restricted free agent. And so you do wonder it just naturally, whether that's something that is, that is on his mind. If the pressure of playing for a contract is in some way affecting him, whatever the case might be, he simply hasn't been what they, I think thought he would. Now I'll give him this, the bench as, as a whole was not playing up to the, to the par that they could for, for a good start of the season. So he was not the only one struggling. But again, that bench has now seemed to right the ship over the last few games, and Beasley hasn't been a part of it. What's what's your take on this? You know, it'll be really interesting. Like you said, the bench hasn't been playing well, and Malone has really stressed mixing up the bench unit and using different secondary lineups, whether that's having a starter in there with them, uh, whether that's playing Wancho, playing MPJ at the two, just mixing it up and switching up, trying to find 
some sort of rhythm. And I mean, like we talked about before, they kind of have against the nets and, and the Grizzlies. Um, but it is, I mean, it is strange. Like you were just saying, we did expect a really big, good season from Malik and we haven't seen that. And there are questions of, at least in my mind is, okay, is he just trying to integrate MPJ more? Is he just trying to get Wancho more playing time? Is he just trying to see what these different guys can do to find that sweet spot that they haven't been able to find yet? And then will they incorporate Malik again into the secondary? Um, but I mean, like, I mean, I don't really know the answer to that. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting to watch to see how to see what happens in this next week against some pretty tough teams. We always knew this was going to be uh, an issue for Michael Malone this season. The fact mm-hmm. that he has a long bench of talented guys that he has to, to work with. And you look at a guy like Juancho Hernan Gomez, who we were talking about earlier, he was a first round draft pick. He was the 15th overall pick in the 2016 draft mm-hmm. and is a super talented player. Like I, I think he, he is a player and he wasn't even playing Michael Porter jr. Wasn't playing. That's how deep the nuggets are. And last year, because of injuries, Michael Malone didn't really have to make these decisions. It was right. just every guy capable got major playing time. And, and usually when you get that rhythm, when you, and you're a talented player, you're going to shine. And now he's got talented players, but they aren't, available. They don't have available the same sort of allotment of minutes. And so that's going to continue to be a challenge for Michael Malone. It's going to continue to be a challenge for guys like Beasley, guys like Torrey Craig, guys like Hernan Gomez who have to understand, listen, I'm not just going to get to run for 20 minutes every single night. There's going to be nights where I don't, I don't get that same opportunity. How do I handle that? How do I bounce back? So you're right. It's going to be interesting. I still think Malik Beasley is a part of this rotation. Mm -hmm. Um, We're just going to have to see what that means for everybody else. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Bape, Palace, and Kith. With StockX, there's no hassle. StockX handles the exchange of every transaction so you never have to worry about legit buyers or sellers. StockX has you covered. With StockX, it's all about transparency. Now you can shop smarter than ever using real-time market data for everything on the site. Rest easy knowing you'll never overpay shopping on StockX. I've used StockX for years. My most recent purchase, a pair of Jordan 4 Cool Grays for my six-month-old son. He's going to be looking fresh. All the kids in the daycare are going to be super jealous of him. I'm going to keep him fresh with StockX um, where you can buy and sell pre-owned sneakers, handbags, watches from brands like Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Gucci, Rolex, and more. Wanting all the hype, check out StockX.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. Again, that's StockX.com slash B-B-A-L-L. Check it out today. Uh, Kendra, what's next? So the next one is from Crow G. I think I'm saying that right. Crow G. And their question is a more general question, they say, and they ask, how can you go from just watching a game to appreciating a game? What is the stuff that you see average fans tend not to see? Well, first of all, I wouldn't say that I'm anything other than than an average fan. Like having this (laughs) job doesn't give me some sort of elevated perspective. But when I when I watch a game and and this is something that's been crafted over time, uh, this is my fourth year covering the NBA. And and I look at it as though I have to be able to explain in, in sort of an easy to understand, tangible way to readers who don't get the opportunity to sit 
close to every game to watch every single play, um, to notice what's going on on the bench, to be able to talk to players, to ask coaches and other you know, front office members about what it is that they're seeing. I have access to those things as part of this job. And so it's my responsibility to be able to, to, to give that to fans. And so when I'm watching a game, I view it as, as a learning experience. If I see like a new wrinkle in a play that the nuggets are trying to run, that's different than what I've seen before then I'm, I'm going to want to go to an assistant coach and pull him aside and said, hey, wh- what was that that you guys did with that play? Uh, I saw this last year when Jamal Murray was starting to play. Uh, Nikola Jokic was was handling the ball as a ball handler a lot more. And, and Jamal Murray, this this six foot six foot four, you know, 215 pound guy was having to set screens on Jokic's guy who was a center. And, and so I talked to him about how like what are the different ways they did that? What makes him uh, willing and able to, to set screens on these huge 300 pound dudes, 250 pound dudes? Uh, and so you start to kind of see something that maybe before you, you don't necessarily notice if you're just joining and watching a game casually. But because you start to see what is normal for a team, it becomes a lot easier to pick up, up on what's happening out of the ordinary. And to me, that's where really cool stories can be born. And I'm curious from your, your perspective, Kendra, because you, you've you've watched basketball for a long time. You covered it against mm-hmm. Zaga. What about now joining the speed and covering it from an NBA perspective? How are you trying to to do that? I mean, it's definitely a learning experience. And I think every game I head into, I, you know, I want to, I want to learn something new because I am still in that learning stages, especially with this Nuggets team. So for me right now, uh, it's not as much, I try and pick up on those trends like you were talking about, but because I don't have the, the general background that you do, it's a little bit trickier for me. So I just try and what are the trends that I'm seeing from when I got here to where we are now, um, whether that's okay, they've been winning games strictly because of their defense on these crazy stats all season, or this is a, something that has been happening for all season long now, that might be a story. And I think the other thing for me is one of the reasons why I just got into journalism in the first place is that I was just super curious about the players themselves. And so for me, I've been able to appreciate the game more as I've gotten to know the actual players and gotten to know those personalities, which Nick, like you said, we have the luxury of being able to build those relationships and getting to know those guys. And then, so for me, after I have a conversation with them about you know, God knows what I talked to Jeremy today about fashion, but now when I go see him play, I just, I know more about him. And so I can almost appreciate his game more, even though they might not have actual correlations with each other, but it just makes it more fun for me to watch when I know these guys' stories. And that's why I wanted to become a writer is to share them with other people so they could appreciate them too. Yeah. Well said. I I think that's a a great way to view it. Uh, what, what do we have next from our, from our subscribers? The next one is from Todd. He emailed you this question. The rest have been from Twitter. This one was an email and he asks, what has been the key to Will Barton's turnaround this season? Yeah, I think it's, it starts first and foremost with, with health. I mean, the guy last year, uh, tore a muscle in his abdominal wall, missed half the season, when he got back, the Nuggets were rolling. Everybody was in a rhythm. And Will Barton was entering a situation where he had to get back to the feel of the game after being injured significantly for the first time, really, in his basketball life. And it was just a completely different experience. And he was trying to play catch up for a team that was running full speed ahead on the way to the number two seed in the Western conference on the way to 54 wins. And he just couldn't, he just couldn't keep up. I think it was as simple as that. But if you go back to the 2017, 18 season, 
when he, when he, before he got hurt, he was Denver's second best player down the stretch run that almost put the Nuggets in the playoffs. He he played any role. Gary Harris got hurt down the stretch. He stepped in was the starting two guard. He plays small forward. He gave the Nuggets everything they needed down the stretch. He scored. He facilitated. He played good defense. He made them dynamic, and, and that's something that he's done f- for a long time. He gives them an element of something that, that, that they haven't had before that. And so I think the injury last year derailed that, that, that dynamic ability beyond that, beyond the fact that he's healthier, Will Barton is shooting as well as he shot his entire career. He's above 50% from three point range. Um, you go to synergy and he is ranked in the 90, 90 plus percentile of all spot up shooters, uh, in the league. He, he's just shooting the ball at, at a phenomenally high level right now. And because he's the guy that gives them that create off the dribble that uh, one-on-one player that they don't really have elsewhere on their roster. He is so important to what they're trying to do. So if he's going to continue to play like this, if he's going to continue to shoot like this, it gives them a really important element. And you just like to see it from a guy who, again, struggled with that injury last year. I agree. And I think, I think confidence is really key for him too right now. I think, I know that he said before when Malone was still making decisions about who was going to be starting at that three spot that, Oh, he, you know, he said, I don't care. I can come off the bench. I can start, but I think he really did want to start. And the fact that he's starting, I think that boosted his confidence. He's shooting really well. That's boosting his confidence. And so he's just back to that. Will the thrill, what people want to see. We have one more question here. Of course, we had to get in a Michael Porter Jr. question because how could we not? He's the hot topic for all Nuggets fans right now. All of Denver is wondering about MPJ and probably wondering the same question from Hamburglar77. Um, His question or their question is, does Malone's treatment of MPJ concern you? Are you worried about the kid's confidence? So I... I think we have to be careful when we use the word uh, treatment in any sort of like negative connotation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I firmly believe that Michael Malone um, has Michael Porter Jr.'s best interests in mind. He wants Michael Porter Jr. to flourish in the NBA. He understands that this guy has an extreme amount of talent, um, m- more so than most players who come into the league. He, he, we, we know what he can do offensively. We know he's a knockdown shooter. We know that he's a guy who is long and lengthy, can, can dive, can create. Uh, so, so Michael, so, so Michael Malone is aware of that and, and wants to nurture that. But at the same time, he is, he is coaching a team right now that, that is, believes it can win a championship. And so he is, what he's doing is straddling this line between this kid can really help us down the road. And, and so I have to live with his mistakes in order for him to become who he, who he can be when we really need him to be. Mm-hmm. But the other flip side of that is if he is making these mistakes, if he, if he is a liability on defense, then, then that is sort of undermining all that we're trying to do to become the very best team that we possibly can be. And, and so it's, it's a really, he, Michael Malone himself called it a catch 22. And that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. I can sympathize with him for, for the difficulty, because when you watch Michael Porter jr, there was a couple possessions in the Memphis game defensively where you say, okay, this kid's starting to figure it out. He switched on a pick and roll, stayed in front of his guy, contested a shot, um, kind of got into John Morant a little bit when he had to make a switch. So he, he was doing some of the things that I think he understands that he's going to have to do, which is completely learn defensive game plans, understand when do I switch? When do I not switch? W- what's this guy's tendencies? Um, w- what are my help responsibilities on this play? 
it, it is like, as, as Alex Schiffer said, when we talked about Michael Porter Jr. after the Brooklyn game, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. There's so much coming at you when you're a rookie about how to play NBA defense. And guys like Mason Plumlee, who's a veteran in this league, are doing their best to try to help Michael Porter Jr. And again, in any other situation, these would be, okay, you made that mistake. That's fine. You're going to play through it. We're going to learn. But with the Nuggets, they are trying to get home court advantage in the first round, maybe the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. They're trying mm-hmm. to be a team that competes for a title. And so these are things that that Michael Port that Michael Malone has to has to has to balance. Now late in this late in the second half of that game, they're up by 30. He misses an assignment. He gets pulled. You could argue that maybe that's a little much. Maybe that was your perfect time to let him um, let him kind of work through that and, and make those mistakes. But again, you also have to set a precedent that this is the expectation. This is how good you have to be on that end. And there's just no room for slippages. Um, you really can see it either way. But but no matter what it is, Michael Malone, <laughs> I'm just going to call him MPJ. Right <laughs> Michael Malone is the one that is is sort of the gatekeeper right now for for Michael Porter Jr.'s development. That's just just kind of the way that it is. Um, what, what do you see with the young 21 year old in terms of where he's come from the start of the season to now? Well, first off, the fact that he's only 21 is like crazy. I always forget because I'm easy only 22. To These guys are like my age. And I, I was on the tampering podcast the other day and I was saying how I forget that Nicole Jokic is only 24. He feels like he's like 27 at least. But anyway, back to your question. I mean, I think I think you're right on. And I think along with this team fighting for a title and believing that they're title contenders, like we talked about before, they're a really deep team. So when you look at the fact that he's not technically a rookie, but he kind of is because he didn't play last year. He's a rookie on a really deep team with some really talented players trying to make that push. And on a lot of other teams that have really talented vets, you don't see the rookie logging a ton of minutes, especially right off the bat. So I think that that's part of it, but I do agree that in order for him to develop, he does need to play. He does need to play through those mistakes because that's, that's how they learn for what I've seen from him so far. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously his defense, that is the, you know, a big area that he does need to work on. I think that that's the point that everyone's kind of highlighted as that big downfall for MPJ. But I mean, I was watching him in warmups the other day and I was just like, this guy, he's one of those just crazy, natural, athletic dudes. It's just ridiculous to look at in person because you're just like, how are you so athletic? You're just jumping however high, like it's a hop, all that stuff. Um, And so I think that he has tons and tons and tons of natural ability, but it is about honing those skills and is, like you said, that cash 22 of letting him play through those mistakes and you know, becoming the player that he has the potential to be versus no, we just need to win these games and get to where we think we can get. Yeah. That's a, a nice flex for you to make me feel old by telling me. Oh, I'm just barely, barely older than the rookie who's playing in the games. Um, anyway. So yeah, no, you're right. And, and they, you know, Arturis Karnaschovas, the Denver Nuggets general manager. I saw him today after practice, uh, talking to Michael Porter Jr. He was he was kind of giving him some port pointers. Um, you know, I, I, I saw him showing him some, some kind of shot um, shot technique a little bit. And listen, they, they understand they got to pick this guy up because he's going to be so important to what they do in the future. Um, and they just have to stay with them. Keep keep his spirits up. Help him understand that. Listen, this is a hard league. There, there's mm-hmm. rookies who are sensational in college who come in with all these expectations. And it's 
it's more times than not, it's not easy. So he's going to have to understand that th- those are some of the things he has to, he has to go through. Um, he, he, he can't cost them. Possess- it's, it's one thing to get beat on defense. It's another thing to just give up free baskets because you, you just haven't learned what you, what you're going to do. And again, mm-hmm. that's understandable. Every rookie goes through it. He's just in a different situation than most rookies of his skill level. So that'll be something that we continue to watch for um, that. So that's going to do it. We'll wrap it up. We, we, uh, we really appreciate all the questions you guys sent in. Uh, we'll, we'll do this uh, every few weeks or so, maybe every couple months. Uh, so keep, anytime you have them fire questions our way, uh, we'll do this again. So this, this was fun. Be sure to use the hashtag rainbow skyline on, on Twitter or any social media, and we'll be able to see that and we'll log those questions down. So anytime you see something pops into your head, just use that hashtag and we'll get to those questions but it's a big week ahead for the nuggets the rockets and james harden and his nearly 40 points per game my god come to town on wednesday night to the pepsi center friday night it's the celtics can jamal murray get that 50 point game against boston (laughs) and then and then sunday the upstart suns um come to town so it's a a big week for the nuggets i think we're going to learn a lot more about who they are uh after after this stretch of three games and, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about it again next week so for kendra andrews i'm nick cosmider again shout out to rob lopez our producer until next time thanks for stopping by